I tell you, one of the things that, that I love about Mount Calvary is our commitment to missions. So uh, thank you for the legacy of, uh, you know, we've only been here a couple of years. So I uh, appreciate the legacy that those of you that have been here for, for so many years uh, that you guys have built. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of get to sit and watch. And so I appreciate that. Hey, so appreciate uh, flexibility, doing something different today. Uh, wanted to let you know something uh, big's happening Wednesday night. Want you to pray uh, for the transition team. Uh, guys, there's a slide with the names. Just ask you you pray for the transition team. This week we'll be meeting on Wednesday night uh, for the first time. We're going to be meeting on the second and fourth Wednesdays uh, every, every, every month until we get through this process. And so uh, your prayers are, uh, are very important to us as we, as we talk this week. Uh, we're going to be getting to know each other because the, the group doesn't, uh, not everybody knows each other as well as we would like. And so we're going to be sharing testimonies about what God's, uh, how God's worked in our lives, what God did to bring us to Mount Calvary and uh, kind of establish ourselves as who we are and then uh, pray about God revealing to us where we're going. So I appreciate your prayers for that uh, very important time in our church. Um, so today we're going to look at Psalm 145, and so if you have a smart device uh, or in your Bible you want to turn to Psalm 145, we'll get to our passage in a few minutes. We've been, over this last month, I've been meeting with the life group, several of the life group leaders uh, on Sunday morning, we've been talking about community. What is community, and, and what does it look like, and how do we live it out, and, and how do we, uh, how, how do we uh, foster community within our life groups? And one of the things that, that we've talked about is openness, right? We've talked about, uh, even this, uh, this morning and uh, for several weeks now, we've talked about what does it look like, how can we be open and honest within our groups uh, so, that, so that we can foster community. And I challenged him a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, sometimes... Um, sometimes you're the one that's going to be struggling, right? The reason we want openness and honesty with each other within our groups is so we can pray for each other. We can support one another so we can bear with one another. Uh, but I challenged the leaders. I said, sometimes you're going to be the one that needs to be encouraged. Just because you're a leader or just because, uh, you know, somebody stands up on stage doesn't mean that they always are going to be, uh, they're always going to be positive or always going to uh, lack discouragement in their lives. The, the reality is all of us face discouragement. And so today, as we look at Psalm 145, one of the things that, that is very relevant to me, it's been very relevant to me over the last uh, month as, as I've, I've been praying and studying through uh, this chapter, is because all of us face discouragement. You can be a leader, uh, you, you, can be, you can be a pastor, you can be a high school student, it doesn't matter who you are, you face discouragement in your life. Uh, we, we have moments where we seem, over, we seem overcome. We've, we have times when everything in life feels like it's just pressing in on us, and at any given moment, everything can collapse. Uh, if you're not in a moment like that or a time like that, uh, you may soon be, right? We kind of we go through these, these cycles in life where we, we face discouragement, and then we come out of it, and then we face discouragement again. And so how do we, in our weakness, uh, how can we confidently express uh, hope and joy, right? How do we face uh, those difficulties in life without crumbling? Uh, how, how do we, how, how we kind of get through uh, those times of challenge? And so that's what we're going to look at in Psalm 145 today as we, we look at a great and good God. Uh, I think about uh, Jonathan and I sometimes when we get discouraged, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll either text or we'll call, and we, uh, there, there's a couple phrases that kind of lift our spirits even though it doesn't solve uh, our issue, but it, it's like, you know, we serve a big God. We serve a good God. We serve a great God. 
And if we say one of those phrases, they're not magic phrases, but they remind us of how good and great God is. And when we focus upon him, then our discouragement becomes a little easier to bear. Our challenge, our trial becomes a little easier to walk through. And so how do we face uh, our challenges and our struggles or our difficulties uh, with, with hope and with confidence? It's because, it's because our hope and our joy is not based in our circumstances. It's based, it's based on our hope and our joy is based on the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Our hope and our joy is based on the God of heaven and earth and the creator of all things, the one who came and died for us and did not stay dead but, but conquered death and rose again three days later. That is our hope and our joy. And so today, uh, my desire, as we look at Psalm 145, and as I've been encouraged uh, in Psalm 145 over the last several weeks, uh, I just want to focus on God. I just want to focus on his greatness and his goodness. Because as I read this passage, and as I've read it so many times, uh, I'm just filled with how wonderful and how amazing our God is. And sometimes in my daily life, I can easily forget that. Right, I, I can be in meetings uh, and I can be dealing with a problem at work, and I, I can think through, okay, I got to get this much done over the next month for you know for a big trip that's coming up or whatever it is, and I can get overwhelmed with everything that I got to get done at work or in, in ho- at home or even here at the church, and I can be like, ah. Oh. And so sometimes I don't slow down and focus and look upon the Lord. And so today we're going to do that. Uh, and I, I want you to challenge yourself to whatever, whatever trial that you're in, whatever challenge that you may be going through in your life today, take your eyes off of that and just focus on God and ask yourself, who is God today? What about his character can encourage me? Who, what about him can, uh, can lift me up? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good and you are great. And Lord, I pray today as we look at your word that, that you create in us a sense of awe about who you are. Lord, I pray that, that our senses that, that become dulled uh, as we just carry through life and we, we go through the routine and we, uh, we, we get the kids ready in the morning, we get them out the door, we get them to school or we make lunches, whatever it is, the, the daily routine, the going to work, the, the running around. Lord, I pray that that you help us to, to have, be re-energized with a sense of awe and an amazement of who you are. Because you are a good and great God. And you love us. And Lord, I pray that that would be an encouragement to us today. It's in your name. Amen. So the Psalms, have you ever, if you've ever read the Psalms, uh, one of the challenges when we read the Psalms is context. You read a psalm, and it, it kind of has an emotional uh, overtone. Maybe the person's very discouraged, and they're facing a trial, and they, they, in essence, they're complaining, uh, or they're raising their, their, their struggle to God, and they're, they're going back and forth uh, with, with their emotions, right? And so the psalms are very hard uh, to understand because there's no context a lot of times. What's happening in this person's lives? Right, and so I've been reading uh, the Bible chronologically, and so it's been really interesting to uh, to read the Psalms uh, right after something happens in David's life. Right, it's been kind of amazing uh, to see when when his son Absalom rebels against him and and pushes him out of out of Jerusalem. How does he respond, and what's his heart? And so. Uh, now it's not a it's not a guarantee, right? They they try to fit in the the psalms where they think it happened in David's life, but it's, it puts context. And so Psalm one forty five, the context, try to help you with it, is this is the this is the last psalm of David uh, that's in the book. 
Uh, it, was, it was likely written near, near the end of his life. Uh, David wrote 75 of the 150 that we know of. Okay? So he wrote 75 of the 150 psalms that we know of. And these psalms are very emotional, right? I mean, David is, we, we think about David as a God after, uh, or man after God's own heart, and he gets very emotional. There are times when, when you read the psalms that he feels abandoned by God. There are times in the Psalms when, when, when he feels crushed in and everything is falling apart. And it, it, this is what David writes. <laughs> and yet he is a man after God's own heart. These are very emotional. Songs of lament, songs of sadness, uh, psalms of, of joy and thanksgiving. Uh, we don't think about that with David, right? David's a king. David is the king, right? I mean, in reality, in the Old Testament, uh, he is the king, right? He's the king that God has anointed, that God has chosen to lead Israel. And so he's anointed, right? Uh, then he goes and fights Goliath. He succeeds, right? And then he's, kind of, he's successful for Saul, right? He goes through that, life, that period where people begin to say, they begin to speak his praises greater than Saul, right? The king's praises. And so Saul, what happens? Saul gets upset, Saul gets jealous, and so pushes David out. And then for years, David is on the run. Here's the man that's been anointed to become the king of Israel, and yet he is living in the wilderness, right? He is not living what God has promised that he is going to be experiencing. And so we think about David the king, right? He won battles. He was victorious over, over Israel's enemies over and over. He fought Goliath, and we, we read that as a children's story, but, uh, but what a great testimony of his faith, even at a young age in his own life. And we don't think about the trials and the difficulties that he goes through. Um, and so David was not a man that, that was inexperienced with trials and, and challenges, right? You think about uh, how he faithfully saw faithfully to serve and be a servant to Saul, right? You know, when he was on the run, he asked, uh, he asked, he said, hey, Saul, what have I done? I've only, I've only done what is good for you, right? And Saul continues to chase him. When he was king, uh, his son Absalom rebels against him and pushes him out. Uh, when uh, later in life, when, or, you know, we see his heartache, uh, David's heartache throughout the Old Testament or throughout the story of his life where uh, over the death of Saul, who chased him, over the death of Jonathan, his best friend, over the death of his son Absalom and, and over uh, the child that was born to him and to Bathsheba. We see his heartache and his brokenness. And so David, as we read Psalm 145, at least the picture that I get is that he's coming to the end of his life and he's trying to encourage people to say, how do you make it? How do you survive? How do you deal with discouragement and struggle in your life? And so David focuses in Psalm 145 completely on God and praising him for who he is. And so when you're discouraged and struggling, the first thing I want us to look at uh, in verses 1 through 3 is search out the greatness of God. Search out the greatness of God, verses 1 through 3. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. And every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Now, verse 1, it says that he says it will extol. Your version may say exalt, right? And the idea here is, is one of going on and on and on, right? And so if, you, uh, if you've ever met a Duke fan, right? If you've ever met a Duke fan, Duke fans go on and on and on. Or a Kentucky fan. Sorry, babe. Um, basketball season. Duke fans and Kentucky fans, they go on and on and on. 
about how great they are. But that's this idea of exalt and extol. It's the idea of David is going to go on and on. And so when it says that forever, he's going to bless his name forever and ever. He's going to praise his name. And it says every day in verse 2. This is the idea that he's going to continue to talk about it until you get tired of it. (laughs) He's going to to continue to tell anybody and everybody that will listen until they're, they're, they're like, okay, hey, I get it. I understand. Right? You ever uh, feel, feel like you have to uh, push and, and, and remind your children over and over and over and over? And as sooner or later, your hope is that you've reminded them enough that, that you're not going to have to remind them anymore. Right? And that's what David's doing here. When he says, extol you, I will extol you. I will go on and on and on about your goodness and your greatness. And then he says in verse 3, right? He says in verse 3, he says, his greatness is unsearchable. It's this idea that, that he's going to go on and on and on and on about how great God is, and yet he will never run out of things to say. He, he, he could search his entire life with every minute of every day that he has left and never get distracted by anything else, and he still will not search out all that could be found about the greatness of God. Right? Sometimes um, we talk about, we use the illustration that we say, hey, we're going to put God in a box. Right? Sometimes we put God in a box. We, we limit his power or we limit his ability. Well, I think sometimes we, we, we put God in a box because we just don't search out how great and how amazing he is. Right? When we look through the New Testament or, or look through, the, through Scripture, we see how great God is. When we, we, we think, think about this with me, about his greatness. God knows everything about you. He knows everything about you, right? Psalm 139 says that he knows when you sit down and when you rise up. It says that he knows and understands what you're thinking. Verse 4 in Psalm 139 says he knows the words that you're going to say, the words that are on your tongue before you even say it. Verse 13 says he, he formed us in our mother's wombs. And in verse 16, he says he, he's written all the days of our lives. God knows everything about each and every person in this room today. That's amazing. That, that here, is, here we have the creator of the universe, right? We have, we have the God who has made everything, who everything belongs to him. And yet he looks at us and he says, I know you. He takes that much attention and that much care of us. The Bible also declares that there's no one, no man, no other God who can compare. Psalm 33 reminds us that God is the creator of heaven and earth. Verse 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. In verse 9, he says, he spoke it and it was done. Spoke it. That's how much power rests with God. He's amazing. Psalm 147 says he counts the number of stars and he gives names to them all, right? You, you've seen news stories where they found other galaxies, right, or found other planets. I, I can't remember. In the last couple of weeks, they found one with like nine planets or something that were, were all earth size or within the right zone or something uh, to support life. And, and I, I thought about this verse uh, where he, he counts the stars and he knows them all by name. We try to assign names to stars, right? Uh, we, there's some numerical system or some numbering system that, that we have, and then you can go and you can, you can go name a star, right? You can go pay money to name a star, but God knows all their names. Why? Right? Do you ever think about that? Why? Why does he need to know all their names? We're all on this planet. <laughs> we have one star that really affects us in any significant way, and yet he created all of them, and he knows them all by name. 
Colossians chapter 1 says all things were created by him and through him and for him. And uh, in verse 16 and in verse 17 of Colossians 1, he says he holds all things together. If, if, if he just stopped, <laughs> then everything would just would fall apart. That's the power that rests in our God. That's the greatness of God. The greatness of God is seen in his unending knowledge. Psalm 147.5 says his understanding is infinite. Psalm, or Isaiah 46.10 says he declares the end from the beginning. Right. So before he created, he knew how it was all going to end. He had everything planned. He knows the days of your lives, and he has planned it out. That's amazing. This is a God, he's unending in his knowledge. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to his eyes. I think about the, um, the psalm, and I can't remember which one it is, but, but where can I go to escape you? Can I go to the depths? No. God has unending knowledge. The greatness of God is seen in his unlimited power. Matthew 19, 26 reminds us that with God all things are possible. Jeremiah 32, 27, God asked the prophet Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? And so when you're faced with a challenge or a trial, and you, when, when I, I, or I joked in, in some, some way when I said when Jonathan and I get discouraged, sometimes all we got to do is say is God is big. We have a big God. And so you have a big problem or a big trial in your life. You serve a big God who also loves you and cares for you and has the best in store for you. The greatness of God is displayed in his sovereignty. Psalm 135, 6 says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In Job 42, 2, it says, Job responds to a question, Job's responding to a question that God asks. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God is great. Do you believe that? That God is great. And so when you face trials and difficulties, you know and you understand that you have a great God on your side. If he is for us, who can be against us? We have a great God. And when you're discouraged and struggling, search out the greatness of God because you will never find it all. You never find it all. The greatness of God is also revealed in his goodness. And it's too easy in the middle of a trial that we forget uh, when everything seems so large and everything, uh, uh, we can't focus on anything else, it seems very hard to intentionally focus or remember on the goodness of God. So the second thing I want you to see is that um, in, when you're discouraged or struggling, remember the goodness of God. Verses 4 through 9. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. Verse 7, if you look at verse 7, different translations use a, a slightly different word. I'm, I'm reading from the New American Standard, and it says, eagerly utter. The ESV says they will pour forth. Uh, the New King James says they will utter, and uh, the NIV says they will celebrate. The literal translation where that says that in verse 7, it says, I eagerly utter, is uh, about the abundant goodness of God, is that the abundant goodness of God will bubble over. It'll gush out 
right? It's a sense that you can't hold it in. Uh, it's a sense that it's going to come out of uh, in your speech wherever you go. And you see that as David is, is talking about, uh, they will speak of your power. Uh, you know, they, they will meditate on your works. They'll praise your works one generation to another. Have you ever found that when you've been hurt or when you're frustrated, you also see, struggle to see good things? Right? If Ryan hurts me, if Ryan, uh, Ryan says something that, that, that really is offensive to me, it, it's hard for me to see the good in Ryan because I've been hurt by him. Right? Or circumstances. You find yourself in a circumstance. Ryan hasn't done anything to me, by the way. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but you find yourself in circumstances, and they're so overwhelming, and so uh, they're, 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 the, in essence, you, you can't see the uh, the forest for the trees, right? You're so close and so um, hemmed in from it that you can't see the good that God is doing in the situation that you're in, right? And so we have to remember the goodness of God. We have to take a step back. We have to focus on the fact that we may be going through something, but God is good, and God has promised that he will not leave us or forsake us. He has promised that, that he is working all things together for our good. We have to remember his goodness. I think... Um, of the times in our lives when Morgan and I have uh, faced different trials, and James says you should uh, consider it all joy when you face various trials. Is anybody doing well at that, right? Uh, you consider it all joy when you uh, encounter various trials in your lives. Uh, that is mind-blowingly hard. Consider it all joy. But when we have, what we have found that gives us rest and gives us strength is that we look for what God is doing, and we look for what God has done. I can remember times when, when we would get discouraged when we were uh, at our last church and we would say, but look what God's doing. Look at what God's doing in this person's life. Look at how we're seeing God responding uh, to and, and where fruit is being born. We, we, we say, look and remember the goodness of God and it brings us comfort. It brings us rest. We remember his goodness, his goodness in the past and it reminds us now that he has been and is still being good to us. On the days that you want to quit, right? maybe that's you today, but on the days you want to quit, you want to give up, you want to walk away, here's some things you can remember. Remember your salvation. Remember your salvation. I don't think, sometimes we don't focus on that enough in our own lives. We don't look back and say, God, you saved me. I recognize how unworthy I was of, my, of salvation. I recognize my sin. I recognize the fact that, that without you, I could not have eternal life. And, and when you remember your salvation, what he's done for you, that you could never earn, you could never be worthy of or never deserve, you say, God, thank you. And you see his goodness. So remember your salvation. Remember how he gave you strength through the last trial. Right? It's funny how trials always seem insurmountable. <laughs> Whatever it is, right? Whatever you're, you're experiencing right now, it seems too big and you're not going to get through it. But that's how you felt last time too. We always feel that way. We always feel in the midst of the fire that it's too hot and we can't handle it. But that's how we felt the last time. And so remember how God brought you through the last trial and he'll bring you through this one. Remember how he's healed relationships. Remember how he's used you to impact someone else's life. Remember how he has provided for you when you've had nothing. Remember how he's worked out details for something before you even knew it was an issue. See, we have a God that cares about even the smallest of details. So some of you will know this story. 
Morgan shared it with some. Um, our Catherine, our uh, eight-year-old daughter, has hearing some hearing loss, and so she has hearing aids. In Mannheim Central, where the, the kids go to school, two of the elementary schools are really old, <laughs> really old buildings. And the elementary school Catherine's in right now uh, is 104 years old. Uh, absolutely love it. But, but she has to be in a room with air conditioning. And so the building doesn't have air conditioning, right? And so there's, there's three rooms. I think there's three rooms. There's just a, several rooms within the, within the whole school that have air conditioning. And each year they've made it easy for her to be in that room. Uh, so, because the background noise, the fans, and the street traffic make it really hard for her to hear. And so, this, the, this year, Catherine's Elementary School is closing. And so, we're mo- they're redistricting. They're building, they built a new school. They're redistricting. And we're like, okay. We were told that the school that we're most likely to go to doesn't have air conditioning. None. And we're like, okay. And so, we waited. They came out with this, the redistricting plan, and they districted us to the other old school. Uh, which is fine because they said, well, we'll just send you what they told us. We'll just send you to the new school. Well, we have, a, we have our little sweet Abby who starts kindergarten next year, and we didn't want them going to different schools, and we didn't want our daughter having to go to a school not with our neighbors, right, the people that she's going to be riding the bus with and we have relationships with. And so it was something, it seems so tiny, I, I guarantee you, right? For most of you, you're like, this is not that big of a deal. <laughs> you guys stressed out over nothing. But we called the principal. Morgan called the principal. I didn't do anything, right? Morgan called the principal and uh, just said, hey, can we find out what's going on? And so f- come to find out the school that we're going to be at has one air conditioner, and it's a fourth-grade classroom, and Catherine's going to be in fourth grade next year. How, many, how long ago did God know that that was going to be a concern in our hearts and he was going to provide for it? One class, I mean, that's tiny, right? I mean, that's small. That's a small detail in life. And we say, oh, well, uh, yeah, that could have been coincidence. But we don't see it as coincidence. We see it as the goodness of God. When God said, you have a concern that is, it was difficult and it was a struggle. And he says, I love you. See, you just watch how good I am. We need to remember the goodness of God. Because when we go through a trial, that we need to remember how he's shown us loving kindness and how we've experienced his mercies in the past so that we can have strength for today. When, you, when you're discouraged or when you're struggling, third thing you need to do is you need to speak of the glory of God. You need to speak of the glory of God, verses 10 through 13. And all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your God, godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Verse 10 says, uh, it's all your works shall give praise. All your works is us, right? So it's, 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 it, we're, we're referred to as works in here, all of God's works. That's you and that's me. Verse 11 says that we're going to speak of his glory, of his kingdom, and tell of his power. If you look back in verse 4, it says, one generation shall praise your works to another, right? So we're supposed to tell, speak of it from generation to generation. In verse 6, we're supposed to speak of his power, of his awesome acts, his wondrous and awesome works. We are to tell of his greatness, David's likely near the end of his life, and he wants people to remember how great God is. 
He wants people to know and remember the greatness and the power of God and what they've seen and, and, and how, they've, how they've seen God work. And they want, he wants them to see his glory. They want him to see how great, how good, how splendorous, how glorious our God is because that gave David strength. He wants the next generation to know, right? So when I, when I talk about the missions, uh, the, the commitment and the legacy of missions, right, this, you guys are speaking generation to generation of the importance of going to the nations and telling people about Jesus Christ, who's the only one that can save. And we're going to the nations generation after generation to tell people of his goodness and his glory. Have you ever... Um, we talked about encouragement this morning in our life group training. Uh, we talked about how do we encourage. And, and one of the things, if somebody's going through a trial, we, we want to encourage. And so how do you encourage people? One of the ways you encourage people is common, right, is you tell your story. You tell your story. You, you, you relate to them because they're, they're, they're going through a trial and you say, you know, we went through the same thing. Right? We talk about parenting a lot. We, we laugh when we, we talk about parenting is tough, Right? I don't think it gets easier, right? I mean, it, it just changes in its challenge. But we talk about that, and, and when, when we, we talk to somebody that's not been there yet or that is going through, we're like, yeah, we were there. And we tell them our story. We speak about how God carried us through and how God encouraged us, right? If you're sick or you've been sick and you're, you're trying to encourage somebody else, you, you tell of how God carried you through that, of how you were encouraged by God's goodness and his glory, we tell a story, right? How do you encourage someone? Oftentimes we, we share a story that says we've been through it. We, we, we've gone through a similar trial or God's met a similar need in our life. Verse 13 also says, so when we talk about speaking of the glory of God, verse 13 also reminds us that, that, that we speak of what is to come. Right? We go through trials and pain today, but we have an everlasting kingdom that is coming that, that we, we will no longer experience pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more mourning. Right? We have a day that is coming when, when the sin that we struggle with in this body, this body is going to be gone and we're going to have a new body. And we're going to get to be in the very presence of God and in his glory. And so when we speak of the glory of God, one of the things that we remember and one of the things that, that gets us through the trials or the difficulties and the discouragement is to say, this is not it. This life, this life is not everything that we have. We get to look forward to eternity. Does that do anything for you? <laughs> we get to look forward to eternity in the presence of our Savior where you don't have to worry about what somebody thinks of you or what somebody says about you or, or can you trust somebody, right? It, it's a place you don't have to worry. Are your kids, you know, are they, they climbing too high in the tree and are they going to fall and break their leg, right? It, we don't, it's going to be a place of, we get to be with God. Does that doesn't do anything for you. We get to be in the very presence of God. And so when we say speak of the glory of God, it's also reminding us that this is not the kingdom we're waiting. The day is coming that we will get to be in the kingdom. That is amazing. Okay. Problem with starting earlier in the service with the sermon is I don't know how long I'm supposed to go. Uh, sorry. So uh, fourth thing, when you're struggling and when you're discouraged, I'll go through these next two things very quickly, is we rejoice in the righteousness of God. Rejoice in the righteousness of God. Verses 14 through 19. 
The Lord sustains us all who fall and raises us up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time and you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him and he will hear their cry and will save them. This chapter is great. I, you, need to take, you need to go home. You need to read this chapter this week. And you just need to meditate on the goodness and the greatness and the power of God. There's so much uh, here that we can't really cover. Verse 14 says he sustains us, sustains those who fall. Verse 15 says he, he provides for our needs. Verse 16 says he offers us something, right? He offers us something that the world can't offer. Everybody in this life wants to be satisfied, right? Everybody wants to stop they want to be full. They want to be filled. And so they seek fulfillment, right? They seek fulfillment in a variety of ways, and it doesn't leave them filled. It leaves them empty and just reminds them of their emptiness. We look for satisfaction in relationships and experiences, in education, in achievements, in possessions, in positions, in power, in fame, in recognition. But ultimately, nothing the world has to offer will bring us satisfaction, Nothing. And God recognizes that the desires of our heart is that we desire to be full and filled and satisfied. And that he is the only one that can satisfy a relationship with him. Life is empty. We can chase after the wind and we're never going to catch it. But it says he satisfies every desire, the desire of every living thing. And verse 19, desire, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Now, it doesn't mean that he's some magic genie or a wishing well, right? He's the God of the universe. <laughs> um, he, he, he's, the, he's the one who knows that the only thing that can fill uh, the emptiness we have in our lives is an abiding relationship with him. And that's what he desires from us. And when David... David was able to walk through tremendous trials because he knew, he looked upon God, and he said in verse 17, you are righteous and you are kind. God is pure and holy. He is just. He is unchanging. And he hears all who call upon him. So when David felt abandoned by God, he knew that God could hear him. And so today, wherever you're at, cry out to God. Cry out to God. If you read Psalms, right, you read Psalms and you read David's life, David was pretty raw with God at times. And remember, he already knows your thoughts. And so it's not like you can hide from him how you're feeling or what you're thinking. And so cry out to God. Cry out to him. Ask him for strength. Ask him for rest. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him to help you endure. And we can rejoice, we can rejoice in his righteousness because he is unchanging. He shows no partiality. He is right, he is kind, he is perfect in all of his ways. And lastly, when you're discouraged, you're struggling, be secure in the love of God. Be secure in the love of God, verse 20 and 21. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, 
nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us that there is no power that can separate us. That, there, uh, that there's nothing that, uh, that there's no, uh, I'm convinced. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, that includes you, okay, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He will never stop loving you. You can mess up. You can mess up worse than you've ever felt like you could mess up. And were you, to the point you, th- you think people in this room may reject you, I don't think they will. You may, re- you, you may mess up. You may fail. You may fall in such a way that you feel like there is no coming back. But you can rest secure that God's love will never leave you, that he will always be with you, that he will always love for you, and he's working out his work in you to make you into his image. Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus gives a promise at the end of the uh, Great Commission. He says, I'm with you always. He gives that promise to his disciples, but it's also for us. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, it's echoed in Hebrews 13, 5, that, that he will never, he will not fail us or forsake us. When you're discouraged, and I wish I could say that I haven't been discouraged I wish that, that, that I, I could say that I haven't gone through struggle because I can't. And I, I, remember times where, uh, I remember times where I had to get up on stage and I had no, I had no hope. I didn't know how I was going to speak of the love and the grace and the mercy of God when in a moment of my struggle and distress, I didn't feel it. But that's when I have to focus on the greatness and the goodness of God. That's when I have, to, I have to speak of his glory and his righteousness because sometimes my heart is not right and my head needs to tell my heart, hey, <laughs> remember, remember, know the things that you've learned and you've studied and I've shown you, that God has shown you. Remember those things because those things will, should rule your heart, who God is. This chapter has so much in it, but it's this simple. In the midst of your trial... In the midst of a struggle, search out the greatness and remember the goodness of God. Let's pray. God, our words are not enough to display or to, to declare your greatness and your goodness. God, you are so amazing. So good, so great, so powerful, so glorious, so majestic. God, Lord, I pray that you would help me to see that in my own life. Lord, that you would help me to, to rest in that. Lord, to, 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 to grab hold of that and for that to be an anchor as a walk through the trials of life. Lord, I know that you're working all things together for my good. Lord, there are times that I can't see how you're doing that. But in those times, God, Lord, I pray that you help me to stand in awe of who you are and amazed at your goodness and amazed at your grace. Lord, I pray for us, Lord, as a church, that we would be a church that is amazed at you. Lord, that that we look to you and we're just overwhelmed by your goodness and your greatness. God, I pray that if there's anybody here today, 
Lord, that you, that, that does not know you, Lord, that you would grab hold of them and that they would desire to know this great and powerful God that your word declares that you are and that you have shown yourself to be in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would change lives today. Lord, I pray that, that for, for, for that person that is, is struggling and is overwhelmed, Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged as they look to you and they say, I know this is painful, but I will get through this because you are good and you are great and I trust you, I follow you. Lord, I pray that you would be our Lord and our master in our lives. Lord, that you would be our everything. you for loving us enough. Thank you for looking upon us and taking notice of us. You are good. Thank you. Amen.